0: Dat
1: was
0: stop. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الله مصلي وسلم مبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم لا سهل إلا ما جعلته سهلة وأنت الحزن إذا اللهم على ذكرك وشكرك عبادتك يا رب السلام عليكم الله وبركاته. So jazakumullah for attending the third of this season's Academic Year Two uh, Logical Progression lesson. So, uh, before we start, I'd like to mention a few things, uh, a few random things. And then also, uh, inshallah, uh, mention one or two points just to finish off the previous session, then we jump into a new area as well, with fadlillah. So, from the things that I wanted to mention, uh, in general, the first of them, of course, is that uh, it's a reminder for all of us that um, Ashura, the 10th of the sacred month of Muharram, the month of Allah, Muharram, Shahrullah, as the Prophet ﷺ in the authentic hadith called it, the month of God himself, Jalla Muharram. It's a sacred month. Its name even comes from the word haram. And uh, so it is the most sacrosanct of months other than Ramadan. And that's why it is recommended to do lots of good deeds and actions within it, especially fast, by the statement of the Prophet ﷺ. And uh, so fasting is a standard. And of course, this time of the year is very easy to fast as well. So that's something that we should do. Uh, it's a late breakfast, basically. So <laughs> as they as uh, Sheikh Abdul Ghaffar put it to us the other morning so, um, so that's something that we should keep in mind and of course tomorrow is the um, a large part of the world of course is following the Saudi sightings um, and, uh, the, or the universal sighting kind of idea and if you are um, then tomorrow is the 10th and tonight or yet today was the 9th and of course if it's something different in your own country then that's, some, that's fine and just to give you a little bit of background, of course, the hadith of the Prophet wasallam in this issue is very famous. He said that um, we, uh, when he came to Medina and he inquired about the Jews who were there, what they were up to, and they were fasting and this and that, and uh, celebrating. And, and they, were, they, they, said, they said, this is the day that, the, that Allah taala rescued Musa and Bani Israel, so us basically, our forefathers. Um, and so the Prophet Sallallahu When he sat with his companions He said you know To be honest We're more deserving to Musa salam, Than they are You know whatever they say and Whatever they do We've got way more right to him Than they have And so inshallah We should fast as well um, And that has been given As you may say As a reason But of course The actual reason Is that this is an Islamic fast You see some people start to think Are we copying the Jews here In this action Or something like that No Not necessarily uh, It's like any other principle um, in any language or culture or religion if something is incorporated from somewhere else it doesn't mean you're following that because then by in of itself it becomes part and parcel of your own i gave you this example last week of the word alcohol we were covering the chapter of al-kuhl and kuhl of course and alcohol because back in the days it's related uh, i'm not i've forgotten my my glory days of organic chemistry but i think that um it, it, it being a lead sulfide or whatever um, it can be uh, the oh group can be added to it and the arabs of course at that time were very good with chemistry and so for there to be an alcoholic version of it was very easy and then when it came down to the to to, to the, to the, to the Anpar people of, of the dark ages here yani, the backwards lot so then obviously they had no idea you know about anything to do with anything about knowledge or maths or science Anparlog, dark ages so they obviously saw us as their saviors when it comes to this kind of knowledge and chemistry and so on and so forth and uh, alcohol for them was a big kind of discovery and they called it al kuhb now, does anyone other than the Pax like us, right, actually go around saying alcohol is not alcohol, it's an Arab invention or, or an Arab borrowed word, of course we, we don't, everyone goes around and calls it alcohol and alcohol it is what it is and, and you know, that's it it's a Gora word, it's a Gora concept, it's an English thingy. We don't go around every single time when we're talking about it and keep saying that it's something to do with the Arabs. Except if you're someone like me and you're just wanting to make a teaching point, right? So likewise, uh, another example is language. In the Qur'an, the Qur'an is all Arabic. Qur'an and Arabi, as Allah says in the Qur'an. But of course, there are, there are words in there which weren't originally Arabic. From the most famous of them is the Roman word dirham. And dirham is a word which is not actually Arabic. But... Is that a contradiction then? There's a non Arab word in the Quran that would make the Quran then incorrect because Allah says this is an Arabic Quran. So, the answer, of course, is that it is an Arabic word, it's an Arabicized word. All right, we don't now keep, we've never we mentioned the word dirham, we don't then give a half hour lecture unless you're perhaps like me in a teaching example, all right, talking about its roots and its origins and so on. It's an Arabicized word, it's an Arabic word, khalas. So, likewise, the start of the fast of, uh, of Muharram came in that way. Likewise from the Jewish example, and it was given as a good example. And actually, there are many aspects of that in Sharia. Actually, we then have to then talk about the Kaaba as well, and the Tawaf of the Kaaba. We took basic principles from the Arab, and we cleaned it up. They used to go around, you know, clapping, whistling, naked. We said, no clapping, no whistling, and definitely not naked. Yeah. So we fixed it up. And many aspects of our deen are based upon original principles, like akhlaq, and good character, and so on. And this is, of course... Part of the statement of Rasulullah that in the authentic hadith, I was sent to complete uh, good uh, manners and so on. Not replace and change and bring everything new, but complete, meaning there's stuff there and then I just, you know, I put, I put the right spin on it or I correct it or I show how it should be, etc. etc. So that's a very important principle. Because I know that the Shia at this time, they always try to create some kind of doubts. Or the that I should say. The, the extreme Shia amongst them. Uh, they, they, they like to create doubts and say that you're copying Jewish things. And this is not, yani, where is the Islam in copying the Jews and blah, blah, blah. And this is just yani, nonsense, to be honest. So, um, tomorrow is the 10th of Muharram. It is a fast upon which the Prophet ﷺ authentically said that... an Meaning that I place my trust in Allah and I consider... That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive me my sins for the previous year by fasting this one day. So that's the actual sunnah to fast that day. That is tomorrow alone. And then of course the Prophet sallallahu alaihi after he then said that if I'm around next year then I'm going to fast the day before so that I can then make it even more clear that this is an Islamic thing. This is our thing. Don't have to keep going on about the whole Jewish history kind of, you know what I'm saying? And so the Prophet, sallam, of course, didn't make it to the next year. Uh, but uh, as we said, and as we've covered in logical progression, his statement is, is stronger than an action, all right? Uh, sometimes, and sometimes an action is given preference over a statement. And that's depending upon the kind of point that we're trying to prove and the asal, etc., etc. So I just want you to appreciate that, that um, sometimes you will find uh, different uh, uh, asul, different principles in fiqh being applied. And this is one of them, where the statement of the Prophet despite the fact that he didn't act by fasting the ninth, we say it is a definite sunnah to fast the ninth. Based upon that, the scholars also then added another uh, interesting benefit. They said that, like many people who made the mistake and didn't realize it was today, or maybe they did fast today and they didn't have the intention of fasting the ninth, um, and th- that's a lot of people, by the way, because there are a lot of people who are just fast in the month, right, or the week. Hoping because getting the ajr for getting the ajr for muharram, but not having the extra additional intention to be following the sunnah and fasting an extra day upon the of, of over and above the tenth, i.e. the ninth. So if you didn't have that that exact intention for the fasting of the ninth, then you can also fast tomorrow and then specifically have an intention on the Friday to fast the eleventh, and then these two days then make up what we call the fast of Ashura, meaning the the original tenth. Plus another day to make it different from the Jewish practice of fasting this day as well. So I hope that that makes sense. So inshallah, most of you will have fasted today. Tomorrow is the big day. And then if you didn't fast today, please add Friday to it. And then you have completed the sunnah, inshallah. As for the question about, uh, as, as Ibn al-Qayyim al-Jawziyyah um, has stated, that there are three levels. There's fasting the, 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 the 10th alone, Thursday alone. The second would to be fast the 9th and 10th, which is the Wednesday and the Thursday. And then the third level will be to fast the Wednesday, the Thursday, and the Friday. This is the position of al-Qayyim and it has no evidence. There's no basis for this statement. We will say, and Allah knows best, that this is his own Ijtihad and sheik al al-Uthaymeen. A number of scholars, they said, to be honest, you know, that's fine, but, but there's no real evidence to suggest that. So it's either the, the 10th by itself, the 9th and the 10th, or the 11th and the 10th. And you're, you're good for the reward, inshallah. So I wanted to mention that as well. Leading on from that, of course, then I want to remind myself and my brothers and sisters that what's happened in the Philippines is a uh, a major test of the resolve of 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 their nation, from their Muslims and non-Muslims. And Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has sent down an ibtila, and this ibtila ibtila is a translated as trial, stress test, and so on and so forth. And of course, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala trials the, the believers, and it's a benefit for them. And the the, the real challenge is for them to see the benefit. Do you understand what I'm saying? The real the real challenge is is for them to see the benefit, appreciate as a benefit, and keep having patience during that. Because everything is saying I am no benefit, okay? everything around a disaster like a typhoon at 300 miles an hour or whatever, something crazy, is saying, I am so not a benefit. I'm here to destroy you. I'm here to ruin your life. I'm here to exacerbate your poverty. I'm here to make you more miserable than you already are. It's saying nothing about benefit, which is why it's a real test. And I was reading something that our uh, Sheikh posted where, where he, basically it was a copy of a statement that the Ibtila, the, the, uh, the trial, is not really testing how strong you are. It's actually testing... How strong Isti'anak Billah is. It's actually testing how much you seek assistance from Allah, how much you trust Allah, how much you understand that this is from Allah. And that that really is a deep statement and it's spot on. So I think that if all of us can understand that that's their trial and our trial in this kind of scenario is to understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you wealth for a reason, comfort for a reason, the ability to be sitting here in enjoyment, in warmth and happy with the believers and smiling and chilling, we're enjoying ourselves, absolutely we're, you know, it can't get better than this to be honest, we're, we're worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with angels, we're very comfortable, there's no difficulty upon us at this moment in time, and there are people out there that are in the most horrible of conditions not just in Philippines of course, but in Syria especially so, and that really needs a re, uh, a re kind of uh, reviving that, that, that whole side of the appeal because things are incredibly bad now that the cold is setting in. And I hope to uh, 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 talk about that tomorrow, at least on Facebook and, and, and the, the social media uh, circles. But that's something that also needs to be brought back to our attention and back to our fundraising. But the test, our test is to make sure that what Allah has blessed us with, we're thankful for. And that itself is a challenge. We often forget to thank Him properly. And then secondly, to make sure that we show our thanks. Thanks by a statement is fine. Thanks by a statement is by saying Alhamdulillah. We said that before. That by saying Alhamdulillah after you eat, by saying Alhamdulillah <laughs> after every time that you realize that the ni'mah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon you, then you have given back to Allah more than He gave to you, as the Prophet said in the authentic hadith narrated by Imam al Nasai. When you say Alhamdulillah for whatever blessing that you've been given in all their totality, all of them, if you say Alhamdulillah just once, you have given back to Allah more than you have taken. This is one of the most powerful hadith in the Sunnah. One of the most powerful hadith in the Sunnah. If someone can actually understand that they realize just how merciful Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. He gives so much, he wants back in return, alhamdulillah, and that's it. So I want you to appreciate that this, the first stage of thanks is to acknowledge it. The second is to prove it. And the proving of thanks is by action. And so I hope that people will feel generous and start donating uh, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help their brothers and sisters in the Philippines and then Syria. And as I said earlier on today I think this summer this winter this winter is going to be a real winter of giving. There's a lot of of a lot of people that need help this winter. A lot of people. There will be a lot of poverty issues here in this country. And you know, with the, with the, with the increases in the prices of energy, that's no joke. You know, there are a lot of people out there that really will struggle. So we need to keep an eye on our neighbours and so on and so forth. And that's part of Shukr as well. And then the people who are in these countries that are in desperate, desperate uh, situations. And subhanAllah, even last night in Somalia, uh, there was a, a, a terrible uh, cyclone that killed at least one fifty two hundred 200 people. Um, so, you know, we need to be aware of our ummah and make sure that we're at the forefront of showing our Shukr by helping our brothers and sisters. So, that's the next point I want to talk about. Final point I want to say is that last week we had some difficulties technically and there was some cutting in and out and so on. If you do notice <coughs> some more cutting in and out, then please let us know on the Facebook or on the forums and so on, and exactly what time you see that on the videos. I want to remind everyone and there will be an email that will be going out next week or maybe this week that will just remind everyone how it works the lesson is is live we want everyone to attend live because then we can keep the questions uh, in the class and then answer them on a the forum and then get the notes out and so on but remember if you can't make the class live the class then goes up and it's a good thing for everyone else to review as well so therefore you actually watch then the recorded version straight up after the class about 15 minutes later it's on the same portal where you're viewing the class right now. About an hour later, the HD version is up. It takes some time to process. So the HD version is there on the portal, and that remains for exactly five days. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And at Sunday midnight, it then comes back down, and then the, the video is gone. So you have to try and watch the video if you're in another country on another time zone before Sunday night. By that time, you should, and I know there's been a few teething problems, and that's mostly my fault, because I've been busy, But then by that time, the podcast will also have gone up and that will stay permanent. You have that and that will be on the website and on iTunes. And then likewise, you will also have the transcribed lessons as well, which is the lesson all written out completely. And that should also be there sometime by Sunday. And that's everything that I've said with the corrections, with the full references, with the proper translations. Because to make the lesson flow and be quick and smooth, I do everything on the fly, especially translations. But obviously, translations from the Quran is difficult, and it requires some. It requires you know accurate uh, reference and so on and so forth. So it is important to go back and review the transcribed notes from the forums, okay? Because there you will have any mistakes, any slips of the tongue, they are corrected. And I, like I was just, I was just looking at the lesson two that I just finished checking today, which is why it's late. And I noticed a number of slips of the tongue from myself, which I've corrected. So it is important for you to go and review those. Okay. So with respect to the lesson, inshallah. Um, I do want to say that there was an incredibly generous, uh, 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 what's the word? A, ch- uh, a generous. God, there was a really nice English word. Gesture. That's the word I was looking for. There's a very inc- uh, uh, nice gesture by someone who sent us in this uh, this box uh, for logical progression students, and it's a box of. Not those Pakistani yeah, uh, job lots, although well, they are made in Pakistan, but they're not yani, yeah, you know, NK Karachi Pakistan ones where it says yani, yeah, all kinds of crazy stuff. But anyway, so this is um, some high quality uh, miswak and they look nice and fresh as well. So there are exactly 36 pieces in this box and probably double that um, at least here. So um, feel free if you're into it or want to get into it, then I'd like you to. Um, I'd like you to take one and pass it on. Maybe we'll do it at the end of the class actually, but this is specifically for you. And I just want to say, I just want to say, at ridiculous cost, by the way. And I asked Allah subhanahu wa to reward the person, but I had a heart attack when I saw the invoice inside. These were bought, and you wouldn't believe where and how they were bought. So make sure that when you take it, you use it and make a dua for the person who bought it, because that person wants a lesson on shopping for miswaks. I'm telling you. Because you don't <laughs> buy miswaks on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> but jazakallahu or oh jazakallahu khaira, whoever did it. You know what I'm saying? I hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewards you for it. Um, so quick one too on the um, on uh, duhan which was the oiling and I didn't mention this um, because I looked back on the notes and the Prophet sallallahu has actually praised olive oil and that was like obviously very easily available at the time. So olive oil, and I think olive oil, to be honest, is what most of us use anyway, if we're going to be doing it. Olive oil, Allah, well, is amazing stuff when it comes to the skin in general anyway. For rashes and eczema and this and that and massage and, and for the, you know, that's proper deal, isn't it? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's no fluffing about with that. So, um, but obviously, don't go crazy on it. And um, also, um, it's mentioned in the, the books of the ilamah, That there is a manner of putting on oil whether it's on the hair whether it's long female hair or short hair or the beard hair whatever it is but the manner is that you start on your right hand side okay so you start on the right hand side in the roots and then you go down and then on the left hand side the shakal aesar the left hand side and then go down likewise that would happen in the oiling on the uh, right (coughs) the right hand side as well Insha'Allah. So I just wanted to mention that. So now we start a um, a new section in the translation, okay? And it gives me an, it gives me an opportunity to uh, remind ourselves of an important point. Actually, um, the point that I wanted to remind ourselves of is the name of the. And I don't think I mentioned this when we started this. I don't think I did. But this is the chapter of the tooth stick and the sunan of ablution. All right. That's what the the chapter is it's called Babu Siwak was al Wudu'. Okay, Babu Siwak was al Wudu'. The chapter of Siwak and the Sunan of Wudu'. And I wanna, I wanna, uh, and you'll see why it's important to talk about this right now. The word Sunnah is a singular and its plural is Sunan. So we know straight away when we say the word Sunnah, what do we mean? Or, or, or what do you think it means? Sunan here. What do you think Sunnah actually means?
1: not
0: Okay, so let's take this as our working model. That Sunnah is something which is not far. Okay? Which is basically a recommended act, not an obligatory act. You, are you happy with that? So when we say, il mm-hmm. wudu, The immediate thing that we think of then are the, the non-obligatory Acts in the act of wudu Or the non-obligatory parts in the act of wudu. Do you agree that that's what comes to mind? Okay. And that's fine. That's how uh, you might take it. But there's a reason why we did not. And I did not translate the chapter title in English. I left the word there in English as Sunan. And the Sunan of Ablution. Because. And this is an important principle. Make sure you remember this for next time. It's like a, a big learning point. That a word is defined by where it's being used. Alright? A word is defined by where it's being used. So, there are many different types of scholars. Okay? And depending upon where the scholar is and what he's doing. So, for example, there are different types of a scholar. For example, there might, be a, there might be a qadi, a judge, who's giving a ruling in a divorce case. When he uses the word sunnah in talaq, okay? There are two types of talaq. Two types of divorce. There's a, a talaq sunni and a talaq bid'ah. There is a, a a divorce which is according to the sunnah and a divorce which is bid'ah. Now, can I say that there's an, there's a sunnah kind of divorce? Does that make sense? That there's like a recommended kind of divorce? Of course not. Alright? It doesn't make any sense. But we've given it the title sunnah to differentiate it from a form of divorce which is Against the principles of Islam A valid one But it's taking liberties An unethical one An immoral type of divorce A taking liberties form of divorce That's what we call a Bid'i talaq And we will of course come to that In about 30 years time But we will get there Right? Inshallah But the Sunnah type of talaq is just means That we don't like the divorce But if you're gonna divorce This is how it's gotta be done So here The Qadi is using the word Sunnah in a very specific way Would you agree? The Muhaddith, for example, the scholar of hadith, when he's using the word Sunnah, he's referring. What does what the Sunnah word for him mean? Uh, exactly, he's talking about the entire tradition of the Prophet. And that's such a massive word. That's encompassing the actions of the Prophet وسلم, the statements of the Prophet وسلم, the uh, 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 implicit acceptance of the Prophet ﷺ, what we call his approval, his tacit approval of other people's actions, that's also called the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu When an Asuli scholar, a scholar who is looking at the fundamentals of fiqh and establishing laws and rules about how to deal with evidence, When he's talking about the word sunnah, he might give it a very specific meaning. Meaning, an action, which if you do, you are rewarded for it. But if you leave it, you don't get punished for it. You see, he's given a very legal kind of terminology. So just there, off the top of my head, I've given you three different definitions, working definitions, for the same word sunnah, based all upon the one scholar who's using it in his field. Is that clear? So, here again... When we look at the word sunnah, plural sunan, the sunan of ablution, then we could read that as the non-obligatory acts of sunnah. In actual fact, though, the correct understanding of this chapter are the guidance of the Prophet Sallam in ablution, or the way of the Prophet in ablution, his his guidance, his way, his system, all of the traditions all of the culture not the culture all of the all of the tradition all of the statements all of the actions that we need to consider from him sallallahu when it comes to ablution it's a very wide word you know what the proof of that is the proof is this opening statement if you look at the first statement that we're going to see obviously not the uh, the first statement there but page 3 now of the notes in arabic it says page 3 of the actual class notes it says watajibu at fil wudu' ma Okay, I'll just read the full Arabic sentence because we're not going to do it with all of it today, but I'll read it all. He says, Imam al-Hijjawir rahmatullah, he says in uh, the, the, the text of Zad al he says, Okay, so it is obligatory to say Bismillah when making ablution if one remembers. Circumcision is obligatory As long as he does not fear for himself It is dislike to shave part of the head And leave part So there's three aspects of this, this long sentence We will be focusing on the, today The first part And the first part starts off with It is obligatory to say So straight away we know That when the author said wudu', He clearly wasn't talking about the non-obligatory actions rather he's saying something uh, much more general because we've already started with something which is obligatory how can we talk about something obligatory in a chapter which is talking about the non-obligatory things. Alright then, so let's have a look at this mas'ala. Now this is a very interesting uh, 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 discussion between the scholars and basically what the uh, when the Sheikh says it is obligatory to say Bismillah, what he is basically saying is that whoever wants to start Wudu, then it's obligatory upon him to, for him to say Bismillah before he actually starts. And this is a famous issue in the books of Fiqh. It's called Masalaat Masalaat Tasmia Wudu, the issue of saying Bismillah in Wudu, and it's one of a difference of opinion, as you can imagine, and it's differed in by two state, two positions. The first position is that it is not wajib, that it's sunnah only. It is not obligatory and it is just a sunnah, a rewarded, recommended action. This is the madhab of the majority of the scholars, the Jamhur al Ulama. It is the position of the Hanafi school, it is the position of the Maliki school, it is the position of the Shafi'i school. It's also a narration from Imam Ahmad himself, alayhi rahmatullah. And it is the position of al Islam ibn Taymiyyah. It is the position of a number of the contemporary scholars as well. The second position is that it is wajib. It is obligatory. And this is the position, the official madh'ab of the Hanabilah. It is the official Hanbali position. And in fact, we can also say, um, and actually, it's also the position of sorry, uh, some of the muhaditheen, a few of the earlier muhaditheen. We can also say, and this is uh, a learning point, another good learning point, that this is from mufradat al-madhhab. Okay, the mufradat al-madhhab, mufradat al-madhhab al-madhhab al-Hanbali. This is from the singular positions of the madhab. No, the word singular is not. We'll translate mufradat in a minute. Let me explain to you what mufradat means. Mufradat means that it is a position that has only been held by this school. So, you know, you have a number of matters where, for example, all of the madhabs and all the scholars say one thing, and then one madhab says one thing. Okay? So, then we will consider that this is one of the matters where this madhab alone has taken that position. Does that make sense? Yeah? That's what mufradat means. And every madhab has mufradat. You can imagine that. The, which, which madhab do you think has the most mufradat? The Hanafi madhab, Of course. Yeah, Hanufis love to differ with everyone, right? Next level, Masha'Allah. And the good, the, the amazing, the amazing thing, of course, about Hanufis is that they can always defend themselves. That's the that's the kickoff thing. You know, what I'm saying there's one thing: being alone in a position, and it's a whole next level to be able to defend yourself and to slap away the people who want to hate. So that's like a, a, an interesting point. So every madhab has its mufradat all right, uh, and the humbly madhab has its good fair share as well. And this is from them. This is one of them. What are we saying? What's, so if I was to ask you a question, give me one of the Mufradat of the Hamli Madhab, you would say? To say? Give me a translation in English fully, completely. Very good. To say Bismillah before wudu is obligatory. Very good. Who can give me another Mufradat, one of the Mufradat of the Hamli Madhab that we have covered so far? For a bonus point that we have covered so far. There's been books written about this, actually. You know, that where they just collect the Mufrudat of the Madhab. We mentioned it in brief. We didn't cover it in complete, but we mentioned it in brief, that the making of wudu after camel meat. Making of wudu after eating camel meat. Do you remember that? And we touched upon that in year one. And that is also one of the mufridat of the Hanbali Madhab. Alright, let's have a quick look then. Why is it that... Um, why is it then that the humbly school considers this to be an obligation? Okay? Um, or should we look at the other way? Should we look at it the other way? Hmm. No, let's look at the... the yeah, okay, let's look at the, the, the... I think that we'll follow the, the system of Sheikh Muhammad Bukhtar Risham in this. Let's look at the position of those scholars who said it's not a wajib. It's not a wajib. They said, okay, if we look at the book and the Sunnah, the Kitab and Sunnah, meaning Quran and Sunnah, then we can actually see quite clearly evidences which show that Tasmiyyah that, that is not something which is obligatory. First of all, they said, in the ayah of wudu, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He said, Ya ayyuhal amanu, إذا قمتم إلى الصلاه faghsilu وجوهكم. When you stand, oh all you who believe, when you stand up for prayer, then wash your faces. And these this ayah was what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala basically took the opportunity to describe the obligatory aspects of wudu. Agreed? Alright? Then he carries on, and up your hands, up to your elbows, and wipe your heads, and wash your feet, and so on and so forth. So it's very clear, both the aspects of wudu, and the order of wudu has been established to be obligation. They said, where's the Bismillah? Where's the Bismillah in this, in this uh, uh, ayah? Where is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, say Bismillah? So this is a proof that is not from the obligatory matters. Okay, they said that if it was from the obligatory matters, then the Nas would say it. The text would have mentioned it. And is, then they followed that up. And they're saying that this is not something which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would forget or just leave out. Because when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to make saying Bismillah obligatory, He does. He does. And the Quran, he does that in a number of places. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah says, then eat." From that upon which the name of Allah has been mentioned. And that is Surah Al Anam, Surah number Six, verse one hundred and eighteen. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says in the same surah, after three more verses on, on ayah one hundred and twenty one, Wala And do not eat from that which Allah's name has not been mentioned upon. Two verses right there that have spoken completely and directly about the, the mentioning of the verse of Allah Subha- the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and in surah al-ma'idah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says عَلَيْهِ <coughs> and eat from that which you hunt and you get hold of and all of you make sure you mention the name of Allah upon it this is all referring to what this is referring to so that when you're about to hunt When you're about to shoot or when you're about to slaughter the animal, you must say Bismillah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't like kinda hide back here and not mention it, right? So they said, well, hold on. If it was obligatory, then why is it not mentioned in the ayah of wudu? Does that make sense so far? Is that good? Okay? And then and then um, and then the Sheikh says that that, and as for, the, uh, uh, for the, uh, as for the evidence from the Sunnah, then all of the Ahadith which established the description of Wudu, ma- and many of them from the Sahihain, meaning from Bukhari and Muslim, with the uh, uh, Ahadith narrated from Uthman, which is the very famous Hadith in Wudu, and Sayyidina Ali an, and Abdullah ibn Zaid anhum, all of them. All of them, when they mentioned the description of wudu, they did not mention saying the tasmiyah to say bismillah. Not a single one of them. So this therefore indicates that it is not obligatory. So what then did the other uh, side say? What did the humbly madhhab position, where does it come from that it is an obligation? The Prophet ﷺ, according to them, in the hadith of Abu Hurairah, which has been narrated by Imam Abu Dawood and by Imam Ahmed. He stated that the Prophet ﷺ said, لم There is no wudu. Okay? There is no wudu for the one who does not mention the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright, so now this is it basically. We have all this evidence on one side and we have this evidence on the other side. We now need to try and make some kind of jama. Um, according to Shaykh al Usaimi. And according to Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar al and the class position as well, the class and the taught position as well, that the correct and the stronger opinion, Allah knows best, is that it is not obligatory. It is a sunnah to say Bismillah before one makes wudu. And the evidence for that is because the one side, uh, the side which has put the, 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 the evidence forward, is overwhelmingly strong. And with respect to the, our response to this hadith, then we'll have two responses. The first response will be that this hadith okay, there are a number of the scholars that considered its Senate to have weakness. Now, I will mention to you that if you want more details then in Sharh Mumtah at the bottom of page 158 Sheikh uh, Al-Uthameen he does then say that this um, hadith the, uh, the uh, hadith of hadith number one has been narrated by Imam Ahmed. I'm going to read to you what the comments are of the muhaqqaq, the one who is making the the authentication of the texts. He said it's been narrated by Imam Ahmed um, in the second volume, page 418. Narrated by Imam Abu Dawood in the chapter of Tahara, in the chapter of uh, saying Bismillah over Wudu, uh, hadith number 101. Narrated by Imam Ibn Majah in his chapter, and by a number of other people, and all from the hadith narrated by Abu Hurairah. And in the chain of this hadith is Ya'qub ibn Abi Salama. And he has been given the rating of majhul. Now remember of course, that when we want to study a hadith, we first of all go to its sanad, not its text. Remember a hadith of two parts, yes? Two parts? What are the two parts of a hadith? The sanad and the matan. In English what is that? The chain and the text. And both can be criticized, okay? But the matan, the text is never criticized by anyone that we know. No scholars of our our time have the ability to be able to reach that level. Textual criticism is the very highest uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Very highest what? Level. Skill. The very last, the very highest position that one one can reach in scholarship. To be able to look at a text okay, and say, you know what, that doesn't even look like a statement of the Prophet That's like a next level skill, right? And all fields have that, I think. All fields have that. Like if you think about, like, um, like, uh, I don't know, I can think about my own field of pharmacy, uh, yeah, you know, a basic pharmacist when he would look at a, ph- a, a, a prescription when he's in his first few years or first five, ten years to look at a prescription and because he's a basic guy, he's looking for obvious like a lack of a signature, a lack of a date, uh, uh, you know, using two double pens, you know, like a fake prescription for something. He's looking for obvious signs, you know what I'm saying? Okay? But the top, the top, top pharmacist, the one who's a consultant, been there in the game for a long time, he'll look at that, he'll see everything completely legal but he'll know straight off that that just doesn't, feel right it's not right for a doctor to be suggesting something like this and if you're looking at a medical field will be the same so a basic doctor when he's you know just graduated or whatever whatnot he's looking at a person and he had to go through all of the signs yeah. and all the diagnosis blah 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 at the top level the top top level he's done so many times he's got so like 30 years of experience a guy will come in he goes listen i've got his pain on my Foot, you're probably looking into his eye or something, looking into his left eye like that. It goes, Yeah, your foot's broken or something like that, you know? Something crazy like that, you know? Because he sees things that other people can't see. He's like some kind of, you know, uh, some freak anyway. The point is, is that um, the muhaddithin are likewise. There are muhaddithin who look at a chain find the name of the people, then have to go back and then look at their histories and say, well, he didn't live at this age, and the other guy didn't live, live, wasn't born until afterwards, so how could they have met? Or he might say that this person, when he was studying and teaching, he wasn't living in a... Like looking for like, obvious facts and they don't, don't, don't add up. The top level people, they are looking for their ilal. Now the word ilal, singular illa, we've obviously defined it for our use in fiqh. In hadith, the word illa means something completely different, by the way. Right? The word illa, as I said to you is one of the most important words in fiqh It is the sharia reason behind an action yeah, We have to know what it means It's Allah's intention behind the ruling So we need to know what it means Because then we can do a qiyas And we can then work out the reasoning and wisdom and so on In hadith the word illah means a hidden fault Meaning a fault that you can't see Meaning something that someone has intentionally tried to hide up, hide. And that happens all the time in hadith Example is what we call tadlees There'll be a scholar in hadith, and he'll be narrating a chain. He'll, sorry, he'll be narrating a hadith, and the problem is, is that he knows, because he's a daddy, right? He knows his hadith is authentic. The problem is, is that he's got no one to tell him that hadith except some plum down the down the road. Yeah, that everyone knows is a plum. He doesn't got clue what he's talking about. He's, He's got a very poor memory, he's got this, he's got that. Meaning that if I now go and tell my students that I heard this hadith, which I know to be authentic, by the way. And I heard this hadith from, you know, uh, I don't know. Who, 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 am I, who am I attacking today? Who am I attacking today? Bobby J? Alright, so I heard this hadith from Bobby J, alright? No, 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 Astaghfirullah, I need some food. Wallah, are you going to talk us tonight? Kashmir, we're so hungry tonight, bro. Me and Shazad are on the prowl for a munch. No problem, okay. Team. So no problem, So we'll choose we'll just we we'll just we'll choose get, we've got to get there for ten thirty, was it? Ten thirty to get free months. Was ten thirty, so yeah. So we'll just say that it was Amjad Chowdhury, okay? This <laughs> this <laughs> this this person. This person, yani, and I don't wanna say his name because as soon as I say his name, then everyone's gonna say, Well come on, are you kidding me? Amjad Chowdhury. That guy just chat saying Bakwas day and night. You know what I'm saying? Yeah? So what do I do? I now say Abdullah I heard from, of, of Abdullah. I don't want to completely take him out of the loop, but I'm going to use a name, which there is some kind of accountability for, but I've still maintained my respect. By the way, I'm the daddy scholar, don't forget. I know this hadith is authentic. I am the daddy in the field. And I know that, you know what is, you're just being irritating as, as scholars, trying to hold me up on my source. I know my original source is top, but I can't remember it, I can't think of his name, so I'm just going to have to use the one who told me in the meantime. This is a practice called Tadlis. Alright, in the science of Hadith. And of course many scholars were very unhappy with, with uh, this, this kind of science or this, this act. And very many scholars, like, especially <laughs> like Sheikh Hussam ibn Taymiyyah, very big critic of the one who used to do this. And the one who does it is called a mudallis. The one who does this is called a mudallis. And we have some pretty big famous you know, in our, our history. It's possible to say that Imam Sufyan Thawri was a mudallis. Okay, it's possible to say that. Okay, so big imams of the sunnah used to do that. But like I said, they've got good intentions, maybe, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to open a big controversy, but the point is, is that it happens. So I'm saying to you that someone like Ahmed or Bukhari or whatever, when they look at that hadith, they know something's wrong. They're just like, you know what, there's something wrong here. And they can feel it. And that's I said, is a, a special form of criticism. Um, so that's called textual criticism. Uh, the criticism of the metan, of a hadith. But when we have a hadith and we're trying to build an argument, where we start with is actually criticizing the actual chain itself. Nice and easy. If we can make the hadith weak or authentic based upon the chain, then we don't have any problems, we don't have any issues. So what did they do? They looked at this hadith of of Abu Huraira. And when they looked at the individuals in this hadith, what did they find? They found a number of things. So I'm going to tell you now... What, the, what were the statements of the scholars with respect to the narrators in this hadith? The first of them, the first of them, is this person, Ya'qub ibn Abi Salama. They looked up this person in the chain, they found him, and what did they say? They said this person is majhoor. Majhul means he's unknown. We can't find any biography for a guy, we don't know where he is. So that means we don't know who his teachers are. That means we can't give a, a, a certificate of authenticity <coughs> for this guy. We can't say that he is memorizer, uh, he is thiqa, trustworthy. He narrates authentic hadith. You, you're following what's going on so far, yeah? We can't. We're not able to do that. And but then there was a defense. There was a defense of him launched by some of the scholars. They said, well, he did. They they did say that he's is a majhul. Uh, Illa uh, except that actually. Uh, it wasn't just this hadith There was other people that narrated this hadith Abu Sa'id and Sa'id ibn Zaid and Aisha and Sahal ibn Sa'ad And Abu Sabra, um Sabra and Ali and Anas And all of these people they narrated this narration as well But every single version of the hadith that has been narrated of this text There is maqal There is some criticism to be made of every single chain. Ibn Kathir, Ibn Kathir, the Mufassir, this is what he said about this hadith. That this hadith has been narrated by many different paths and all of them once they, they all have problems but once they're all put together and put together and put together they basically strengthen one another. Therefore as far as I'm concerned this hadith is hasan or it is sahih. Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani he says وَالظَّاهِرْ أَنَّ مَجْمُوعَ هذه يُحَدِّثْ مِنْهَا uh, قوة, that if you collect all of these hadith together Basically we get something of some kind of strength Meaning he's want to say it's okay this hadith This is what Ibn Hajar is, is uh, 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 trying to say And then this is the final statement وصححahu, The people who authenticated this hadith Abu Bakr, Abu Bakr ibn Abi Shaybah, Who of course is one of the early collectors of hadith He said it is sahih وَحَسَّنَهُ And those scholars that considered it to be a level down, Hassan, acceptable, was Al-Iraqi, Al-Hafid Al-Iraqi. And Ibn Salah, of the author of Al-Muqaddimah of Ibn Salah. And Ibn Taymiyyah, he considered it to be authentic. And Ibn Kathir, and many other scholars. You can go back to the Sharh Al-Umdah, Irshad Al-Faqih, and Talkhis Al-Khabir of Ibn Hajar to see further narrations. What have we learned? This hadith has issues with it. People criticized it, a few said it's weak. A number said it is Hassan. The majority said it is Hassan. And a few even considered it to be authentic. So, first of all, we are going to say that, no, you know what, this hadith is weak, we're going to throw it out. Then there's no discussion. We win the debate. Do you agree? Because that's, that's the only thing they've got on their side. That this hadith is Hassan. That uh, this hadith is our authentic hadith. If we show that hadith is weak, then we've got the hadith on our side, we've got the ayat on our side, we win the argument. You happy with that? Okay then, let's now say that the hadith isn't weak. We'll give it to you, we'll say, you know what, the hadith is hasan. What's our argument then? What's our argument then? Stronger. Correct. We have a stronger hadith. We have a hadith in the sahihain authentic, in Bukhari and Muslim. And the one thing, as Imam uh, uh, Sheikh Muhammad al-Mukhtar al shankiti he says, that, وَعَلَى الْقَوْلِ بِالتَحْسِينِهِ فَإِنَّهُ لَا يُعَارُضُ مَا فِي السَّحِيْحَيْنِ لَأَنَّ الْحَدِيثَ الْحَسَنِ مَعْمُولٌ بِهِ مَا لَمْ Sahih so he said and this is an important lesson third big lesson point that a Hassan hadith a Hassan hadith is acted upon is sahih as long as it does not contradict that which is authentic then it is acted upon it is acted upon so uh, 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 upon, upon this issue we have something of course which is stronger which is the authentic hadith and then finally we will say the third response is that and this is a, probably the last and the most important learning point of this lesson we have a narration upon this hadith which this hadith, which actually has potentially more than one meaning la wudu'a okay the hadith let's look at it la wudu'a liman lam yadkur ismullahi alayh there is no wudu for the one who does not mention the name of Allah before it. Okay? This hadith can, mention, can mean a number of things. I want to put it to you. How could you interpret this hadith? How could you interpret this hadith? Uh, that
1: mean a different meaning. For example, you can say, like, uh, okay? Uh,
0: Good, good. This is what we're gonna to get to now, okay? That when we have the word la, okay, the, the, the la the of negation, lamun nefi, as we say, the one the, the, the letter of the the letter lam when it negates something, negation is of different types, and uh, we will have to uh, consider depending upon the context of the actual statement. As well as looking at the opposing evidences, what that actual lam is trying to indicate. So, for example, Sheikh Al Uthami he says that there are three types of lam, okay, or three types of uh, uh, la of negation. He says the first one is the negation of existence. So, when you say, for example, and he says lam um, al wujud, okay. Uh, actually, I'll give I'll, I'll I'll give you an example of each three in a minute. Okay, there's the first one, which is the negation of existence. The second one, the second type of lamb is the negation of of correctness, نفّي الصحة. How I Basically, uh, invalidation. this is the, the lamb which invalidates an action. And then the third type is نفّي الكمال. Meaning that it is negating the completion and the perfection of the act. Three types. One, negating the presence, two, negating negating the correctness, three, negating the completeness. These are the three possibilities whenever you have the word <coughs> la used. Let me give you an example of each one. So first of all, when we say and Sheikh says here on page one fifty nine of Shah Humtiah, he said, wujud la illa there is no creator of the creation except Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. لا خالق. Okay, that there is no خالق. There is no لا خالق. There is no خالق for the creation except Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Now this means that this means that there is no one else. That's it. There is no one else. I don't care who you're going to find, who you think you found, who you worship. There isn't anyone except Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So this is لا نفي الوجود. That this has negated the absolute existence completely. The second type, second example, the مثال of نح, نَفْيَ siha to negate the correctness is the one which Sheikh um, uh, Abdul just mentioned. لَا لِمَنْ لَمْ يقرأ بِأُمَّ الْكِتَابِ This is that there is no prayer for the one who does not recite the mother of the book. Meaning Surah al This of course is the evidence why many scholars... Obligate the recital of Surah Al-Fatiha by everyone Like in Salat Al-Dhuhr yeah? In the Hanafi school The other ahadith They say that the imam's recitation is enough for the jama'ah Even though you don't hear it According to the three imams they said no This hadith is very very clear There is no prayer la salata, There is no prayer For the one who does not recite Surah Al-Fatiha The mother of the book And so therefore in this example here And that's why they stay, always recite Surah Al-Fatiha in every prayer in this example here, what is the lamb saying? What is the translation? What is the... the, 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 the what's it indicating? What's the lamb indicating? An invalid, An invalid prayer. The prayer is still there, isn't it? It's not nafiy wujud It's not saying there is no prayer. Even though we translate it, there is no prayer. We say there is no prayer, right? But the prayer is obviously there. You, he prayed it, right? So it's the prayer is incorrect. You happy with that? The third example, Mithal نفي kamal. Is لا يؤمن The hadith that you all know That you have not believed Until you love for your brother what you love for yourself Okay, you have not believed So, either this means you're kafir Okay, which means that we're in a big trouble Because all day and night we're not yani, loving for each other what we love for ourselves Or it means that someone's not there Or yani, when you go through the list it's clear that it's not a bujood it's not the uh, the ruling. It's not the authenticity. It's basically saying that you are on poor iman. Your iman is not complete. You are not a complete believer, a true believer. And that's why we translate it with the word true, just so that you understand that, okay? Because linguistically, we should say you are not a believer, but we add in you are not a true believer because we know this lamb is a very specific meaning. So you are not a true believer unless you unless you love for your brother what you love. For yourself. And so, what do we do here? The sheik uh, al then he moves on. He goes, i tell you what's interesting. He says that the Hanbali Madhab itself has kind of contradicted itself in saying that this is an obligation upon us and yet, if a person forgets to say it, which is why there's, there's that additional statement, maad if he remembers. If he forgets to say it, then he does not have to go back and repeat his wudu, meaning it's gone, it's done and khalas. You don't need to go back. Does that make sense? So the Hanbali position itself is suggesting it's a condition, and yet at the same time it's saying that if you forget to say it, you don't need to go back, which means it's not a condition. And he goes, that's why, of course, that's why uh, uh, there's the narration from Imam Ahmed, uh, Sheikh Uthameen, he mentions he says that لِأَنَّ الْإِمَامَ أَحْمَدِ رحمه الله قال, That there is no evidence which establishes the obligation of tasmiyyah at all. في al الباب. يعني there is nothing. Uh, there is nothing which absolutely uh, obligates this. So, and he also... And, 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 and Shaykh amin just wants to kind of now just bring a few things. He says, and you know something by the way, just to strengthen Imam Ahmed's personal opinion, Imam Ahmed himself said that if a, if a, if a person sneezes in the bathroom... He says Alhamdulillah in his heart. He says Alhamdulillah in his heart. And what Shaykh Uthameen is trying to say, and that's in Al-Mughni, Sheikh Uthameen is trying to say that if this is the statement of a man who basically is, uh, and it's obligatory to say Alhamdulillah after you sneeze, and he's saying say it in your heart, then clearly he's not going to be putting uh, big pressure upon someone to say Bismillah if, in the same place before he's making wudu. Now we had that discussion before anyway, but uh, you know, we don't need to... Uh, we don't need to uh, actually worry too much about that. I want to just mention a few things um, before I, I, I close. Um, sheik al-Uthameen, he then, he makes it very, very clear that in the madhab itself, there are two opinions. And this is something we need to get used to and it's going to increase now more and more. We start getting into serious fit. He says that in the madhab itself, there are two opinions. On the issue of if you forget, do you go back? Or if you forget, do you discontinue? Or if you've forgotten, and you remember afterwards, are you just carry on or not. So do you understand the, the issue? Okay. If you forget, like you just start, and then suddenly you remember when you're washing your face, for example. Then at that moment, do you have to go back and start your wudu again, and say Bismillah, or you just say Bismillah there and then, or you just, just carry on, and it doesn't matter <coughs> at all. What's the position in the Madhab? Okay, well, the, um, the position in, in, in Al-Iqna' and its author and this is important: is that you continue, and the obligation has for, has has been lifted from you because you forgot in the first place. As for the position in al-muntaha, in al-muntaha, and it, the the it's the position of the madhab, and it is the position of the madhab because as Sheikh says, al-muta'akhirun, they consider that when there is a difference of opinion between al iqna and al-muntaha, then al-muntaha gets the madhab. Okay, this is how a madhab uh, defines its official positions. When our official text al says one thing, and our official text al-Muntaha says a different thing, then when we combine them, we will always look at them and we will choose al-Muntaha. So al-Muntaha says that no, if you forget and then you remember, you have to stop, you have to go back, and you have to say Bismillah and start again. And the current wudu that you are making has been... Uh, annulled, invalidated. And that's the position, and that's why, that's why that is the official Humbly position. As I said to you, our position is clear, Sheikh Uthaymi's position is clear, Sheikh Uzama ibn Taymi's position is clear, and the position of the three Imams is clear. That the evidence supports that this is a sunnah and it should be said as an act of sunnah, and if one doesn't do it, then inshallah it does not invalidate the madha- it doesn't uh, uh, invalidate the wudu. Okay? Um, a few uh, random points. Uh, ghusl. The madhab, of course, what do you think it said about ghusl? If it said that it's obligatory in wudu, what do you think it said about ghusl? They said obligation. They said it's obligatory because it actually it's even more fundamental and even more extreme form of wudu. Because the ghusl, of course, one can't even do anything without the ghusl. Alright? So wudu is like the minor. That's the major. And what about a tayammum? What do you think about tayammum? Sheikh Amin, he basically said, okay, we will say it's sunnah in, in ghusl. That's his position, and that's good. Okay, what about, what about uh, uh, tayammum? What do you think the madhab said? Why? Very good. The Hanbali said that tayammum is the same. Because, uh, obligation. Why? Because it's a replacement for wudhu. It's a replacement for wudhu. The scholars responded, in, uh, within the madhab as well, Okay, they responded, they said that there's this, 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 this uh, pattern, this principle, that because it is badal in its place, therefore it has to become obligation, doesn't make sense. Because the ruling that you're doing, uh, can anyone uh, explain? Can anyone refute that position? Without me having to do it. Someone logically just explained the flaw in the argument that because tayammum is a replacement of wudu. Then the tasmiyah should be an obligation. And many of the acts that are obligatory. Is getting, again, away from the Therefore, give me an example. The of the mouth. Okay, which is not done in. in Good, excellent, excellent answer. Bob said is that if this was the case, that that we are obligating Bismillah because Tayyamum is a replacement, then we should also say that washing the feet is a, an obligation. In and we should also say that washing the mouth Or somehow is an obligation and so on In Tiyamum, we've only got the wiping of the hands and the face That's the only thing that's been taken On what basis did you leave all the rest of the stuff And then take the Bismillah as well And make that an obligation So that, that argument has been considered to be one of slight weakness Also, also, uh, Sheikh uh, Al-Tameen He says when you consider the hadith that, that narrate. The details of Tiyammum, None of them mentioned the obligation of the hadith of Hamar ibn Yasir. They did not mention the hadith of Tasmiyyah, Did not mention Tasmiya, They did not mention Tasmiyyah, Okay. Um, and I want to just mention one other uh, thing. And Sheikh Uthameen, uh, I don't know, he's just having some fun here now. He's saying that um, there are different times. There are different times when saying Bismillah is an obligation. It is a condition for the action. Sometimes it's an obligation, sometimes it's a sunnah, and sometimes it's a bid'ah. Okay, so look at some of these examples. He says, sharatan li It it will be a condition of an action, such as slaughter, such as slaughter, and hunting. So in slaughter and in hunting, if you do not say Bismillah, then the food is haram, and you are not, uh, uh, you can't uh, eat it, and according to the majority of the scholars, it is, it is not possible to forget about it. So if you forget about it just from forgetting about it, or you're jahl, or jahlan, meaning you're not aware of it, then you are not allowed to eat it. You are not allowed to eat it. In the madhab though, he says, it's an interesting point, that in the madhab, if someone, he gives an example, if someone was to get his gun and go hunting, and he gets his gun and he... Uh, aims for the thingy for the deer, for example, you know that the only way that this deer is going to be halal, all right, is that he gets ready to shoot and he says, Bismillah, and he shoots. And if he kills the deer, then it's halal. That like, Bismillah basically was a job done. Now, if he, if, if he turns up to the deer and it's injured, whatever, then of course he has to make zabah of it and say, Bismillah, then, right? So that's something different. But he shoots and then he, he says, Bismillah. The other scenario is that he might go and catch the deer somehow, he might, let's take the gun out of it. And I don't know say he does some kind of Rambo movie And he jumps on the deer And whatever So he pulls out his knife And he goes You know Bismillah And he slaughters it So these are two scenarios here Yeah The shooting from afar And the one close In the madhab In the humbly madhab If you forget To say Bismillah When you shoot the animal The animal is haram Okay Meaning when you get there And it's dead You can't eat it It's maitha It's dead meat You can't, you can't eat it But If you, <laughs> If you were to come across an animal and about to do the dhabah and you forgot to do dhabah, then the animal is halal for you. The animal is halal. Shaykh al goes, how is that yani, possible? He goes that you have one version which is haram and the other one halal. And the actual fact, he goes, logically it should be the other way around. He goes, when you're close to it and you've got time and relaxed... And all the rest of it. And it's just a case of just, you know, just do it. That's the time where you can understand. If someone was going to forget Bismillah, then he's really messed up. But the other guy, when he's like shooting and thinking and planning and this, that, whatever, whatnot. And he's concentrating. And one single wrong move or wrong time, then the thing's going to go away. That's the more stressed position. And you'd expect him to forget Bismillah at that time. And you'd expect him to be given a break in that scenario. He goes, to alhamdulillah, they turned it around and, you know, we're not happy with that. Anyway, that's what Sheikh Al-Uthameen um, uh, says. Anyway, we'll, 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 we'll leave that. I just want to just show you then the, to finish. He goes, the other times, so that was, uh, 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 um, uh, what was that one? That was when it's a shard, yes? That was when it is a shard. And, and then he goes, according to the Hanbalis, he goes, an example of wajib is in wudu' Okay, that's when it is wajib, meaning obligatory to say wudhu, to to say bismillah before wudhu. And he goes, an example of mustahab, meaning recommended only, is eating. Well done, okay. Before you start eating, and that is the position of the jamhur and uh, some of the scholars considered it to be obligatory, and that's Sheikh Uthaymeen's position, by the way. Sheikh Uthaymeen considered it to be obligatory to say Bismillah before you eat, meaning that someone who eats without saying Bismillah has done something haram. That's the position of Sheikh Uthaymeen. The position of the Jumhur, though, is that it is Sunnah. What about
1: Bid'ah?
0: Good. A, a Bid'ah would be when you're just making up some Baqwahs from yourself. Like every time the guy starts, you know, Adhan, he goes, Bismillah ar-Rahim, for example. Yeah, and you do find that kind, of, that kind of action, that people, they just make it up, literally. They say, I'm doing something good, I'm doing something religious, it's some kind of, you know, I'm going to say a religious statement now, like Adhan, or so on, then we consider this to be Bid'a. There's, of course, the other example of reciting Quran. When you recite the Quran, there are some people who get a bit confused about when they should say Bismillah, when, when they shouldn't. Now, to say bid'ah is a bit too strong in this, because some scholars consider this to be Okay but basically you should only be saying bismillah when you're starting a surah if you open up the quran and you're starting the surah then that's fine but if you are not starting surah you're starting in the middle then what is legislated by the quran itself and the sunnah is to just say a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim." but if you're a pak you've never in your life ever said a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim" and never ever followed it up with bismillah al rahim because we're packs. so you know inshallah we'll let that one slide because that's just the way we are so i think that's um, I think, uh, inshaAllah, that is sufficient for our lesson. But alhamdulillah, out uh, of the corner of my eye, we have been... Uh, sometimes the corner of my eye sees blessings. Bismillah, mashaAllah. And today, the corner of my eye did see a blessing. And uh, mashaAllah, we are blessed to be in the company of Sheikh Dr. Rida Bader that I want to go and give a big hug to. I haven't seen him for ages. And then I'm going to make him sit down and give us... Uh, a five-minute reminder with no cliffhangers and no six-hour yeah, follows afterwards. Just give me one second. Jazakumullahu khairah. Ya Dr. Fadal, ya Sheikh. Ya
1: Bismillah, <laughs> alhamdulillah, salatu salamu ala rasulillah, Sallallahu alayhi Wasallam wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa manu ala, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Let me start with a um, quick quiz, inshallah. The shaykh was talking about the three types of la, since I'm coming from a linguistic background, so I'm going to make your life hard, inshallah, say inshallah. So he was talking about the la, okay? By by you know by mistake the sheikh kept saying lam, so I'm, I'm sure that you're not confused. He said la, okay, it's la. Okay, because la negates the present, lam negates the past, la negates the future. So I'm gonna give you an example of the la that the sheikh was talking about, okay? And he's gonna tell me which type of la. He said three of them, Sheikh ibn, right? One of them, that la that means. Hello. First one? You can you can cheat. You can go back to your notes. Okay, negates the existence. Mashallah. Where's my candy? You know my candy? Okay. The second one, invalidation. Right. The third one, perfection or completion. I'm gonna recite an ayah from the Quran. Okay. Since we the so we don't have Surah for rijal, Okay. And the ayah <coughs> goes like this, and I'm gonna tell you which one of the three. Okay. فَلَا <laughs> وَرَبِّكَ حَتَّى يُحَكِّمُوكَ شَجْرَ بَيْنَهُمْ فَلَا وَرَبِّكَ لَا which one? first, second, third فَلَا وَرَبِّكَ لَا yes yes, go ahead I can see your hand but I can see your face yeah third. which one? third do you agree with him? or do you agree? this is Egyptian democracy yeah. <laughs> I agree with him Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala... There's a story behind this one, I'm not going to go through it. So I'm not going to cliffhanger, okay? This is a long one and you gave me five minutes. Because I have three more questions about Surah Yusuf, which I'm going to be teaching, inshallah, this weekend, okay? And if the Shaykh is here, he has two options. To come to the class or to come to the class, inshallah. (laughs) I'm going to give him one whole session, inshallah, to share his uh, beautiful experience and and knowledge, inshallah. May Allah bless the community of Shilu, having such a gem here, inshallah. Um... Basically, the story very quickly, you know, uh, um, behind this ayah, Asbab al Nuzul, there was a Zubair ibn Al Awam, he's the cousin of the Prophet. And he happened to have an issue with his neighbor, like, you know, both of them has uh, uh, a farm, like a land. And subhanAllah, the land of, of Zubair was a bit higher in, like, in, in, in the level than his neighbor. So they came to the Prophet who should irrigate his land first. So logically enough, you know, it should be a zubair because the water would be easily to go from the upper level to the lower level. So the Prophet ﷺ, when they came to him with this litigation, what did he say? He said, a zubair should irrigate his land first. The man said, and no Ibn Ammatik? He said, are you saying this because he's your cousin? So the Prophet ﷺ was so decent to speak, but Allah revealed this ayah. Allah said, فَلَا وَرَبِّكَ لَا Okay, the fat we're not going to talk about what type of fat here, but like the la is here that the Shaykh was talking about. So with your Lord by your Lord, sorry, by your Lord, they would not attain full iman. It does not negate the existence of Iman. It does not invalidate the Iman, but it's talking about remember when the Prophet ﷺ said to Umar while they were walking together, Do you love me, Omar? He said, Yes, Prophet of Allah, but Omar was so honest. He said, Not more than myself. You see, subhanAllah, he could just like, like, leave it there. Like, yeah, I love your Prophet of Allah. But he said, do you love me more than yourself? He was so honest. So Prophet ﷺ said, Again, the is here in the hadith. It is the third type again. You will not attain full iman until you love me, that's Prophet more than yourself. And this is why this is a very famous statement in the Arabic language. When you say, It's taken from this hadith. Now, Omar, you attain full iman when you made the statement that you love the Prophet more than anyone else. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to that man, you know, Muhammad said to them, they will never attain full iman until they take you as a judge in any dispute that might arise between them. Not only that, then they will find nothing, no hard feelings in their hearts against your judgment. Not only that. Why you tasleema? I have two more minutes. I'm going to take it from where I stopped. Tasleema. Okay? I was teaching the class that I'm going to be teaching, inshallah, in, in Manchester this weekend. You all know it, right? You have to be beautifully patient, inshallah, until Friday comes, inshallah. You get a teaser of it, inshallah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in ayah 101 in this surah, okay? After all the tests that Yusuf alayhi salam went through, now he's making he's dua. And he's teaching us the etiquette of dua. Look at his words. Rabbi min al mulk Allahu <laughs> Akbar. Sometimes like no I'm smart, I'm a PhD. That's what he think, right? Who gave you life? Who gave you intelligence? Who gave you a brain? Look at Yusuf alayhi salam. Now he's the Aziz of Egypt. After he was, you know the story. Right? Somebody thrown into a world by his own brother. Somebody deprived from his own mother when he was a child. Somebody who was deprived from his own father. And he knew that his father is alive for almost 30 to 40 years. And then he was taken, sold as a slave. And then he went to the, the, you know, the house of Al-Aziz. Now he's going to relax. No, the wife of Al-Aziz would seduce him. And then he end up in jail. And he's making da'wah in jail. That's the embodiment of beautiful patience. After that, he's now Al-Aziz. What do you think when you are in power you will do? You need more power? He's saying, Oh Allah, oh my Lord, you've given me, you know, authority, power. He was an expert in the area, interpretation of dreams. Anybody knows the difference between Fatr and Khalif? The shaykh was talking about Khalif. What's the difference between Khalif and Fatr? In translation, you'll find creator. But subhanAllah, Fatr in the Arabic language means خَلَقَ عَلَىٰ بَدِيعَ لَمْ يَسْبَقْ لَهُ You will never see this in the translation. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the heavens and the earth in a way that's unique. That's the meaning of Fatur. السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ أَنْتَ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخَرَةِ Even though you are the one who gave me power and gave me authority, you know, you are the one who created the heavens and the earth in a unique way, You know, I have nobody except you in dunya and akhara to support me and to be by me. This is a long introduction. You know why? It's exactly like al you Fatiha. Know, you praise Allah. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, Maliki, Yawm, Deen, Iyya, Kana, Abdu, Yawf. Say, what do you want? Idna, So you praise Allah first, then you ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. That's exactly what Yusuf is teaching us in this ayah. Then he said, Tawafani muslima, Allahu Akbar, the ultimate goal of the Aziz of Egypt is to die as a Muslim. The question is, was Islam there? That's what one of our interests asked me in, at Wake Forest University in North Carolina. It's like, you, know, you keep attacking the Bible. Here you go. It says, Tawafani Muslima." Was Muhammad sallam there? Was Islam there? How can you answer this? If you want to know, I'm sorry, sure. It's my blog. Okay, come to the Free Friday. The last one, subhanAllah, it's amazing that in this surah, at the beginning of the surah, again, this is grammar, okay? Allah says, alif lam تِلْكَ آيَاتُ الْكِتَابِ الْمُبِينَ The Quran is transmitted to us through two main authentic ways. كِتَابٌ fi sutur. Wa وَقُرْآنٌ مَسْطُورٌ fi sudur. Again, it's a written form and a recited form. It's a written form and an oral form. So when you hear the word Al-Kitab, what does it mean? That which is documented by writing. That's the Quran. And also... Al-Qur'an, which comes from Qara, which means to recite. So this is the oral form, right? The question here is, every time in the Qur'an, when Allah refers to Al-Kitab, He will use uh, a demonstrative pronoun which is, you know, talking about something which is far. Even though you're going to be holding the Qur'an in your book, right? So the book is in my hand, but Allah is always saying, al Or when He talks about that, He says, تِلْكَ al-kitab." Why? I think I should say this one, Just for the sake of the Shaykh, inshaAllah. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he refers to the Quran, he says, read in Surah Al Isra, in the Al Quran, Yahadith Aqwa. But what's the first ayah in Surah Al Baqarah? Alif la, <laughs> Thalik al kitab. That's in English means that. And we use that for something which is far away. But we say hada to mm-hmm. this, something close, right? Subhanallah. The scholars said two reasons. When Allah said, Alif, Lam, Ra, Tilka, Ayat, Al-Kitab, al Not, Ha, Dili, Ayat, Al-Kitab, al Which, which you are reading and it's in your hands. For two reasons. Brothers and sisters. When we speak, these are the words of Wada Abidya. These are the words of Sheikh Abu Isai. These are the words of Shaykh, words of Shaykh uh, Ibn al a Okay? The question is, are the words of Allah the same as the words of human beings? Say no or no? Yeah. Right? So the words of Allah are so elevated, so exalted. Okay? When Allah speaks, it's not our it's not like our speech. And what do we call a Qur'an or al Kitab? It's the speech of So the speech of Allah is so elevated. Now let me ask you a question. Was the book Al Quran as a book written at the time of the Prophet? Say no or no. It was not. You know, whatever was handy, they just, would just write it and it was collected later on. At the time of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, okay, we're going to share the story insha'Allah, saturday morning insha'Allah. But the question here is, you all know the hadith when the Prophet said, Awwal ma khalak "Allah said, first thing Allah created was the pen. And he said, Uk-tub. and the, the pen said, what shall I write? Allah said, Uk-tub ma min al-an so write down which is going to happen between now till the end of life. the day of judgment so what was written also is the words of allah they were written and that was preserved where in something called al-law al mahfu the preserved Can you give me evidence from the quran yes anybody can recite surat al-buruj i think my five minutes is over should i stop here can i get an extension of two minutes Let's take my votes. Okay. Would like me to continue for two hours. Uh, sorry, two minutes. <laughs> okay. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said towards the end of Surah al-Buruj. In Nabatush, Arab, be kalashadid. <laughs> In Nahu, al فعال لما يريد هل اتاك حديث الجنود فرعون وثمود بل الذين كفروا في تكذيب والله من محيط I'm just trying to introduce to you بل هو قران مجيد Here's the evidence. فِي لوح محفوظ. It's in the preserved tablet. So where's the Quran? In the preserved tablet. Where's the preserved tablet? With Allah above seven heavens. So, are the ayat of Allah so exalted and elevated in the preserved tablets above seven heavens? This is what Allah says, The last thing that I want to share with you is that that Orientalist also told me, he said, what is beautiful patience. Said, Isn't this the name of the course? Right? And Allah, no, we caught it from the words of Ya'qub alayhi salam. When his own sons came to him saying that the wolf devoured Yusuf alayhi salam. Right? And he knew that they were lying. Give me the evidence. Wallahu al ala. The word tasifun in the Quran comes so many times when the Wala taqulu lima tasifu al al So, basically, he knew that they were lying, right? But what can you do? What can you do as a human being when you know that your own sons did something wrong to their own son, to their own brother, who is also your son? If you were to retaliate or revenge, what are you going to be doing? Are you going to cut your left hand with your right hand if you were to punish your sons? And this is this, this is why the scholar said, this is the meaning of Allah al-Musta'al. You should say this exactly as the hadith says, الله الله Can you hear me? This is in the Arabic language. This is exactly the same situation where Yaqub was. When you are in a situation that all the human means can do nothing to help you. You exhausted all the means. No police can help you. No, you know, somebody can intercede for you. No, nothing. So you say, Allahul Musta'an, it's like the Prophet idha it means, like, you know, there's something beyond his ability to deal with, he would rush to the Salah. Why? He would connect Salah. He would connect with Allah and say, Oh Allah, I can do nothing, help me. Wallahu Musta'an, So he, he said himself, Fasabrun. Jameel. And our Pilat Qasim explained what's Sabre Jameel. He said, It's patience with which you do not complain. Right? He said, Is that clear? I said, yes. He said, okay. Flip some pages in the same surah. And you will find Ya'qub himself complaining. You know, when he was crying and weeping and weeping until he lost his eyesight. And then they told him, Tallahi You will keep remembering Yusuf. حَتَّى تَكُونَ حَرَضًا الْحَرَضُ الَّذِي يُوشِكَ عَلَى الْهَلَاكِ Somebody on the verge of destruction. أو تَكُونَ مَنَ الْهَلَكِينَ Or he will die. What did he say? فَرَالَ إِنَّمَا أَشْكُو بَثِّي وَحُزْنِي إِلَى اللَّهِ He said, indeed, I'm sharing my anguish, my grief with Allah. So can we complain? He said, there is no shakwut. There is no complaint. How can we reconcile this? I think the sheikh is looking at me. He's like, stop. So I have to stop. Okay? So if you want to know the answer, unless he, he commands me to speak for another minute. If you want to know the answer, inshallah, I'm going to share this on Sunday, inshallah. Um,
0: okay. I can't
1: read Manchester English. Okay?
0: <laughs> So okay, brother and sister. So, inshallah, um, I hope that you appreciate that uh, Dr. Rida he brings just the next level of uh, of mazah to uh, see. We have to look that up. Now, what mazah means? To consider. Uh, I hope it's
1: not bakwas. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, that's inshallah this weekend starts on Friday, um, at, uh, and it's going to be at William Pure, uh, William uh, Hume Grammar School, which is in Molly um, so. Yeah, yeah. Range? So that's going to be Friday. The free Friday will start there at 7 o'clock, inshallah, and it's a single weekend class, so I'll make sure you pop along at least until the Friday. You'll realize that uh, it will be the most beneficial thing you'll do in Manchester because the most beneficial thing you'll do in the rest of the country is to come and join me after Death in London. But never mind, Sheikh, it's okay. <laughs> I so think I know this one. <laughs> <laughs> so inshallah, I hope that you guys have turn up uh, So it's Allah to Sheikh Qabda And I uh, appreciate that uh, you guys have handled hang on. I know that I killed you with a fit. And then she killed you with the tafsir. So, Alhamdulillah, it's a double death, yani. double shahada. I also want to mention this very quickly: uh, Didsbury uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow, Didsbury. Uh, yeah, you can catch the al-Khadrida tomorrow at Didsbury Masjid at 7:30, insha'Allah. Also, Dawm Oh, the khutbah as well. It's the heritage
1: Heritage
0: and the khutbah on Friday will be at British Muslim Heritage Centre in Wally Range as well. Does so, that come along Are you
1: pitching something? They love. Absolutely.
0: Mark up excited catch you guys later. Assalamualaikum. So, just to convince the staff. In Allah we are. I think we try some more. Um.
1: Uh any guys, anyone? So just put up the front. This is a little of the candy, right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: la figure la bonne